Our first passage will be 1 Peter 3, verses 10 and 11. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. And then Romans 14, verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. And so by now you've probably come to the conclusion he may be going to preach a little about peace today. And you would be exactly right. So what is peace? We hear it said all the time, but what is it really? You know, to me, the simplest definition of peace is absence of conflict. Absence of conflict. But what is conflict? Conflict is As a result of division, 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all seek the same, speak the same thing, and that there no, be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And so when we have an absence of division, we have peace, don't we? But we don't have peace. When we have conflict, when we have division, we inevitably have one person or more trying to instill their will on others. And that therein lies the conflict. When we have the same mind and the same judgment, we don't do that. But when, when my opinion is different from yours, and I'm, of course, right, and you think you are, we have conflict. If we have conflict... It's as a result of division, and we can't come to realize that division is undesirable. So, in the book of Romans, the 12th chapter and the 18th verse, we find, 
If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, just the wording of the verse would imply that it might not be possible. Why wouldn't it be possible? Okay. It might not be possible because two people are involved. You know, I wrote down the wrong passage here, but there's another one in 1 Timothy, I think, chapter 3. There's... Second Timothy. No, that's not it. Okay, but in that one it says, as much as lies within you, live at peace with all men, especially the household of faith. Even that gets impossible sometimes. And yet Jesus asked that there be no, be, be no divisions. Paul asked that there be no divisions. And if there are no divisions, there are no conflicts. So what does that mean? Does that mean we're going to have peace? You know, a lot of times we think that all we have to do is go down into the water in baptism and we'll come up and everything in our life will be peaceful. Because we'll live a good, peaceful life. Right? We won't be the cause of the trouble. Right? We'll be like Christ. Right? What did Christ say? Luke 12, 51. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew 10, 34. Thank not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And then let's stop and think about the life that Christ lived here on earth. Was it a life of peace? Yeah. 
He practiced that passage we read earlier, as much as lieth within us to live at peace with all men. He practiced that. But you know what? It became so unpeaceful to him that he hung on the cross. So we should not expect that we're just going to live a life of ease and at peace with everybody and everything will be wonderful. What should we expect instead? In John chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so Jesus warns us, there is a way we can have peace. But it's not going to be in the world. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy. The third chapter. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Does that sound like we signed up for a life of ease and peace when we became Christians? And yet, if you go, one of the things I like about these electronic devices with the word in them, is you can do searches. And if you take your phone and look up God of peace, you're going to have a lot of passages to read. God of peace, God of peace. So God is a God of peace. And yet the God of peace that we know, the God of peace that created us, sent his son to this earth Knowing that what Paul was going to write to Timothy was true. And what was that? Paul was going to write to Timothy that all that will live godly in this world shall suffer persecution. Did Jesus Christ live godly in this world? Yes, he did. Did Jesus Christ suffer persecution in this world? Yes, he did. And if we live godly in this world, what should we come to expect? Persecution. Which is the absence of peace, isn't it? So what's this peace he's talking about? What is it? We're going to live our life on this earth in conflict. What kind of conflict? We're going to be in conflict among those who don't choose to live the way that Christ suggests we live. Now, if you want to see if you want to see what happens when someone 
is not living the same way as the majority, all you have to do is watch a godly person and how much persecution they go through. Especially in today's world, because today's world, we recognize God as the authority, the authority. He has all authority. But there's a large portion of our country that recognizes the government as the authority, all authority. And where God's authority is not the same as the government's ideas, then God's authority has to be destroyed. We're seeing it every day. Are we not? So if we can't live our lives on this earth as a low-key, key, peaceful person, then what is the peace that he's talking about? Perhaps we haven't identified the right conflict. Perhaps our interpersonal relationship with others is not what he's talking about at all. Because from those without the church, there's going to be a problem. A lot of times, even within the church, there are, a lot of, there are problems. So what's he talking about? I want to suggest to you that he might be talking about the ideas that we find in Romans, the seventh chapter. And this is going to be a rather lengthy reading, but I think it's worth it. We'll begin reading at verse 7. No, I'm sorry, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And there, I think, we find the conflict that we can have peace. We just partook of the Lord's Supper. 
in which we remembered the death of our Savior on the cross. Do you remember what he said on the cross? He asked one of his apostles to take care of his disciples to take care of his mother, right, from the cross. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me from the cross? That was quoting scripture. He said, I forgive them. And he said, Father, into my hands, I, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. Does that sound like turmoil? Does that sound like conflict? Or does that sound like a man who is at peace? And just think about it. God who knows everything. God who knew beforehand how his son would be treated when he came to earth sent him here anyway. Because without his coming, there is no peace. There can be no peace. And Jesus came. And as he said, Father, I have kept the law. I have kept everything you asked me to do. And on that day on the cross, Jesus was at peace. So how can we do that? How can we get peace in this earth? Peace in our life. Peace. And what, what kind of peace are we looking for? You know, I found three passages that give us the answer. All three of them are several verses long. But I couldn't choose just one. You know, it, it, it's like at our house... Paul and I have been deprived of ice cream for so long. And so on Friday, I stopped at Kroger's because we were out of vanilla. You can't be out of vanilla at our house. You can't be out of the cherry, whatever it is, cherry cordial ice cream at our house. And I was reaching in to get a double vanilla, and my hands was a little bit to the right. I didn't recognize that there were more than one. Uh, there, there was more than one variety on that shelf, and so I reached and got one, and I pulled it out, and it said, sea salt caramel taffy. That was Friday. I wanted to save a little so Grace could try it in faith. I'm not sure there's any left. So what's that got to do with anything? Well, now I've got three, brands, three types of ice cream in there. I couldn't choose one. So we got two in there open and the vanilla is waiting. So 
it was the same with the passages. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, begin reading in verse 31. What are we seeking? We're seeking peace. Right? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things, including peace? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if that doesn't give you peace, nothing will. That's the source of peace. And what is that source of peace? The knowledge that Christ came to this earth and gave himself as the perfect sacrifice to remove our sins because with our sins, we have no peace. But his death, burial, and resurrection can provide peace. And then we're going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, approve all things, hold fast that is good, which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and mind be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray that God, pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice all the things he told us to do before he got to that part? It's a whole manner of life, isn't it? 
You know what it really is? We're no longer in conflict with God. We're in submission. And if we're in submission, we're doing his will, not ours. And we don't have to argue about anything. And if we do that, although they're tearing down statues and burning buildings, we're at peace. Because we know the end of the story. And then finally, Second Peter Three, twelve through 14. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. So what does it take for us to be found in him in peace? Our spots have to be gone. We have to be blameless. And that happens only because he sent his son to this earth to be, to suffer persecution, to be tortured, to be killed, and to rise again, and by his blood wash away our sins. There's where we get peace. Don't expect it in the world among our interpersonal relationships, but expect it when we submit our will to him and live our lives according to his pattern with an eye on the coming, the end that is coming. You know, the rioters think they can build a fire. They ain't seen nothing yet. God's going to build a real fire. And this whole earth is going to be burned up. But knowing that, we can still have peace. Do you have peace this morning? Do you have peace knowing that, that you're following the will of God? If you're not, won't you come forward as we stand and sing? <laughs>